With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night, and it is February the 15th, 2019. Um, And the crazier it gets, the crazier it gets. I thank you all for joining me. It's always great to have you um, with me on the program to play that inevitable game of catch-up. And boy, is there stuff to catch up on. For those of you familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was sliced, diced, reconstituted, beat up and gutted, basically, to create what I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender, because both sides of the political aisle don't want secure borders, don't want immigration law enforcement. Um, The greatest risk we have are the nitwits that are elected to supposedly represent us, because they're not. They are representing those who provide the campaign contributions, and they are representing those who promise them that they can attain political leverage by compromising national security and public safety. It's that simple, and we'll dig into it. But again, I thank you for being here. Uh, if you're not familiar with my website, I urge you to go to michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R, one word, michaelcutler.net. I also do a ton of writing for frontpagemag.com. Very proud to uh, be writing for them for a number of years. David Horowitz does an amazing job of providing the perspectives and the information that the mainstream media either lacks the guts or the integrity to tell you. Unfortunately, all too many journalists have become propagandists. They could be working for George Orwell's Ministry of Truth, for all that it matters, or in the days of the old Soviet Union, Pravda and his Vestia would have been happy to hire them. Uh, It's sad, it's tragic, it undermines national security, what they're doing, it undermines the Constitution, it undermines this great democratic republic that we call America. Uh, It's never been this way, but it has become this way because far too much money is pouring into politics, and you have the politicians who keep doing political equations and forget that there's an oath of office and forget that they're undermining national security. Today, the president took action, expected that it would come down to this. Unfortunately, it did. He declared a national emergency, and indeed, it is a national emergency, that which is not only going on along our southwest border, the border we share with Mexico, the entire immigration system is in a state of shambles. Let's be crystal clear. And the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, also made it clear that it was because of multiple failures of a dysfunctional immigration system that 9-11 was able to happen in the first place. And not just 9-11, the terror attacks of 1993 and other terror attacks prior to that and more terror attacks after 9-11, the Boston Marathon bombing by two brothers whose family committed immigration fraud, claiming political asylum. They had a credible fear they can't go back to Russia. Of course, as soon as we granted them political asylum, they voluntarily went back to Russia. Uh, Remarkable. Bob Goodlatte, who at the time was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, said, we need a new law. Of course we do, Bob. We always need a new law. Never mind hiring the agents to enforce the laws that are on the books. Let's dress up the windows. Let's create Kabuki Theater, a Potemkin village of more laws, more nonsense, and more BS, but the hell with actually enforcing any of the laws on the books. And that's understandable, Bob, because we know that you are an immigration lawyer. That's what you did before you came to Washington, and that's what I suspect you're doing now. So when I hear people say, well, 
and the Democrats and the Democrats and all this other foolishness. Folks, both sides of the aisle are in on this joke, but it's no joke. People are dying. And if you don't see it, God help you. We have a problem because the Congress and the politicians and the mayors of sanctuary cities and sanctuary states don't care about the carnage. They care about money. They care about winning elections. They care about their agenda, and they don't give a rat's tail about anything else. Now, there's a couple of rare exceptions, but they are neutered by their colleagues in politics from both parties. We're living in an era of globalism versus nationalism. And if you dare use the word nationalism, you're going to be accused of being a horrible person. And they're going to talk about how wars were started by nationalists. You know, everything in moderation is a good thing. A glass of wine with a good meal is wonderful. It's not the same thing as being a falling down drunk, okay? And, and, and so we've got to understand that the reality is that if people don't believe in their country, then there's no reason to have a country. There's no reason for anyone to join the military. There's no reason for anything that we do as citizens of a country. No other countries, by the way, want to do what America wants to do to itself. We are rotting from the inside out. We are being treated like mushrooms. The mushroom treatment, of course, is to feed, keep people in the dark and feed them a lot of manure, a lot of fertilizer. There is nothing wrong with being pro-American. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of nationalism. I mean, go to the football stands in the dead of winter. You see these crazy people running around with body paint and no shirts and the snow is falling and it's 10 degrees outside. But, boy, they're fired up for their football team, aren't they? Just don't get fired up about America, folks. That's a whole nother story. You could be fired up about your favorite baseball team. That's acceptable. But it's not acceptable to believe in America. And anybody who doesn't understand what's going on is a damn fool. And this is what we've done to minimize the significance of America's achievements. Let's rewrite history. The old Soviet Union tried to take credit for everything, and the nitwits that are running around on our campuses today are trying to take away credit for America, for everything. Emphasize the negative, forget the good stuff. Um, I have to tell you, America's had its shares of problems. People make their mistakes, but suddenly the emphasis is on any time that America made mistakes, any time some politician made a mistake. Some of these mistakes are reprehensible. I'm not saying that certain politicians shouldn't be sent packing. But I, I just find it remarkable that suddenly things that were done by people 35 years ago are making headlines today. And I just want to know how many people out there could go through their entire life, day in, day out, since they came into this world and did not make any mistakes that if they came to life would mortify them, their parents, their friends, their spouses, or their children. Just saying. That's not an excuse for bigotry, racism, whatever. No, those things are unacceptable. I want to be crystal clear. But I have never in my life, and I've been around for a while, I have never in my life seen this kind of digging around in people's closets to find out what they did or said or may have done or may have said, and maybe it never even happened. I think about what they put Judge Kavanaugh through decades ago, decades ago find it truly remarkable. And, and so we are in an, in an era where it's not just the enemies outside the country that are trying to do us in, but the nitwits from within that are trying to do us in. You know, I, I frequently draw an analogy of what happened on September 11th, 2001, with, with what happened on December 7th, 1941. And I want all of you to think about this. December 7th, 1941, the Japanese fleet attacked Pearl Harbor. The carnage was terrible. Our ships were devastated. Almost a fatal blow, but for American ingenuity and American resiliency and American men who had hair on their chests and gonads in their shorts. Of course, today, that's called toxic masculinity as an example of what we're talking about. I, I certainly think that anybody who of any sexual orientation should be left alone, respected, not, not insulted, not attacked. I think it's horrible, some of the crazy stuff that's gone on. But now the same people that have been yelling about the homophobes have turned into heterophobes. It's okay to go out there and talk about toxic masculinity. Really? 
So sexual orientation, you're not free to be what you want to be. Not if you're a heterosexual male, because it seems that that comes under attack in this insane era. And I have to tell you, I've always considered myself a liberal on just about all the issues with one or two exceptions. But I've never in my life seen this phenomenon where prejudice is okay as long as it's the people that they want to suffer the consequences of prejudice with all the talk about toxic masculinity and we don't need any more white men in politics. Um, It smells of racism. If you change the word white men to any other group, there'd be riots and protests and they would be understandable. But when you plug in the word white men, suddenly it's acceptable and you're to be patted on the back. Good for you. You're showing that you don't like white men. I've never in my life heard of anything quite like this. No discrimination should mean no discrimination for anybody. That's not what we're witnessing. And if you don't see it, look around you and think about it. We should be respecting each other, period. Not saying everybody accept. No, either we accept everybody and understand that we're all human and we all have whatever it is that we have, or or you're talking about a different form of bigotry. And that's exactly what we're seeing, the attacks on Israel, the attacks on, 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 on you know, anti-Semitism. It's fashionable on college campuses. It's fashionable. Don't do it to any other group, but you can do it to the Jews. Well, that's how the Holocaust started, and my family was, was devastated in the Holocaust. I was named for my grandmother, who was killed in Poland during the war, because I am a Jew, because my families are Jews. This is what we've been witnessing. It's not that we're going to end discrimination or racism or bigotry. It's now we're being told that you have to hate certain people, but not other people. That's insane. And it's un-American. And when will people grow gonads enough to stand up and say enough, enough of this, enough of this. The second world war, America's survival was on the line along with our allies. And it took 44 months. I want all of you to think about this analogy, 44 months. America went to war. We went reluctantly, but we went to war. We geared up. Cars stopped rolling off production lines and tanks and rifles and airplanes started to roll off those same production lines within a matter of days. General uh, Dwight Dwight Eisenhower created the military-industrial complex so we could gear up and defeat the Nazis, defeat Japan, defeat the Axis powers. And there wasn't anything we wouldn't do. And Congress didn't go to Roosevelt and say, well, we're the Republicans and you're a Democrat, so we'll give you submarines, but you can't have aircraft carriers. We'll give you fighter planes, but we won't let you have bombers. We'll give you tanks, but you can't have rifles. That's kind of what we're doing with immigration today, you see. And the Republicans, I don't think, did not want Mr. Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, to be successful in defeating the Nazis so he would get credit for it. And I don't always agree with Donald Trump, but you get the feeling that there are people out there that don't care the damage that's done to America as long as Trump can't take credit for successes. When you hear this nonsense, and I'm going to be listening carefully and watching carefully to CBS 60 Minutes this Sunday, this whole thing with McCabe, and we, the president shouldn't have been the president, and we were looking to see if, Maybe he could be removed. Alan Dershowitz, who's a liberal attorney, he's a brilliant, brilliant constitutional lawyer. I could listen to Dershowitz all day and all night. I had the privilege of attending a memorial service for the Holocaust. My first wife, may she rest in peace, her parents lived through the Holocaust. My mother-in-law was in a concentration camp. Her father was on the run in the forests of Poland. His family was machine gunned. Awful stories. Awful. And so they used to get tickets to the memorial service at Temple Emanuel in Manhattan, which is kind of like the Jewish equivalent of St. Patrick's Cathedral for the Catholics in Manhattan. Both beautiful edifices, monuments to our religions. And Dershowitz spoke at the service. I will never forget it. Alan Dershowitz is saying that in his opinion, at least I just read a quick quote. I'll dig further into it. Maybe we'll discuss it some more in, in the future. But the headline was interesting. Dershowitz saw all that went on as an attempted coup. 
I want you to stop and think about it. Pick up a book called Seven Days in May, an attempted coup. Unbelievable. We live in a dangerous era, and the people who seem to be posing the greatest threat are the politicians that we elect to represent us. How in the world are they representing us when they stand there and say there's no crisis on the southern border? This is make-believe. Trump is making it up. Nothing to see here. The arguments that they pose against the wall on the border could have been written by El Chapo Guzman, the dirtbag who was just convicted of killing I don't know how many people. That, that wasn't the conviction. The conviction was for his drug trafficking activities, which resulted in so many deaths, and for the movement of hundreds of tons of poisons into the United States. And they say, well, nothing going on on that border, folks. Really? And the drugs are all coming in through ports of entry. And all the lies that they tell were the basis for an article that I wrote that was just published this morning at Front Page Magazine. After you listen to my program, please go to Front Page if you haven't already. The title of my article is Fact Checking the Fact Checkers on Illegal Aliens. The subtitle is Outing Orwellian Fake News. So you look at all of the arguments that they make, you know, the other side. Because this article looked at nine questions about immigration and ostensibly provided with, quote, unquote, the real facts, the facts. When you use the word the facts, it sounds like this is it carved in stone. It was handed to us from Mount Olympus. And then you look at the organizations that they quote, and these are, all, are almost all advocacy organizations that take strong positions of advocacy for the admission of unlimited numbers of aliens granting lawful status to illegal aliens, launching lawsuits in defense of illegal aliens, and on and on and on. These are your objective sources. You're a news reporter, the Tiffany Network, CBS, this is the best you can do. And, and I provided an example of one of those institutions, the Migration Policy Institute, I believe it was. Um, I don't have it in front of me. But Doris Meisner was a member of one of these groups. Doris Meisner, for those of you not familiar with her name, was the commissioner of the Immigration Service during the administration of, of Bill Clinton. Doris Meisner, and I wrote about it, and I provided you with all the links. That's why I want you to read these articles. So when people tell you nonsense, you can hit them with facts, irrefutable, solid, <laughs> rock-solid facts. The Clinton administration engaged in a farce known as Citizenship USA, where more than 1.1 million immigrants were given U.S. citizenship so quickly that in many cases, fingerprint checks hadn't yet come back. Afterwards, so many people who worked for the old INS complained to Internal Affairs and said this is wrong, this was malfeasance, this was criminal misconduct. You know, for the people on the right that don't like government workers, shame on you. Yes, there are goofy government workers and there's plenty of goofy people who work for corporations. Okay? I'm more concerned with what I just saw with Amazon corporate welfare. Let's give them a $3 billion tax break. How about giving the residents of New York City a damn tax break? We're going to pay congestion pricing, and Amazon was going to contribute to the congestion, and we were going to give them a $3 billion tax break. They can take their sidewalk act and move down the road. If you really want to create jobs in New York, get rid of the illegal aliens, and you'll free up hundreds of thousands of jobs, not 25,000 jobs. The charade. And this genius, AOC, who wants to get rid of airplanes, wants to get rid of meat, wants to get rid of cars, sure thing, the green movement. Oh, this is corporate welfare. You know the best example of corporate welfare, folks? The employment of foreign workers in the United States and not just the illegal aliens. It's the H-1B visas, something that our good friend Bob Goodlatte loves because that's where he made his bucks before he came to Congress. And his son, Bobby Goodlatte, got his start with Zuckerberg at Facebook, another brilliant company that loves to fire Americans and hire people from India. You want to talk about corporate welfare? There's your corporate welfare. Let's be honest here. Let's stop the hypocrisy. Chuck Schumer, who says trespassing on critical infrastructure and landmarks is dangerous, and people who do it should go to jail for five years if he wanted a new federal law. What else is new? A new law, right? Same Chuck Schumer, though, says when you trespass on America, you've earned a path to citizenship. Hypocrisy after hypocrisy. So that's where we stand with all this garbage. But meanwhile, if, if you look at what they were saying, 
All the drugs are coming in through the ports of entry, and so we should be focusing on ports of entry, not the spaces between ports of entry. And how do these geniuses know? Because that's where the seizures are being made. The largest seizures are being made inside ports of entry. Well, let's play a game. Let's make believe the ports of entry is so good at this that the great majority of drugs that try to get through the port of entry or smuggle through the port of entry are caught. And this tonnage still coming in. Guess where it's coming in, boys and girls? The seizures don't tell you what's coming, what's coming in. It only tells you what's not coming in because they caught it, you see? But these are the false arguments. Doris Meisner's organization gets quoted in this article at CBS. Is that objective reporting? Is that really the way you look at the news and say, okay, the facts that we're giving you are fair and objective and honest? We know that more illegal aliens come in and overstay their visas, so why would you build a wall? Well, we're not even sure what the numbers are. We keep hearing this 11 million figure when, in fact, Harvard and MIT did studies, and they say it might be double or even more that number. I think it's triple or more than that number. So let's ignore the millions who come in by running the border and evading the vetting process at ports of entry. These are false arguments. Go back to World War II. We didn't just build airplanes. We didn't just build tanks. We, didn't, we did everything that needed to be done. We need a border wall. Yes. The biggest thing we need that we've never had, interior enforcement. Why? Because if you had enough ICE agents, they could find the employers who are hiring the illegal aliens. And nobody wants that, at least not the money bribing our politicians. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce sure as hell doesn't want that. And then you got the Koch brothers with their Libre program. They want to legalize all of the dreamers. And some of them could be as old as 38 years of age. This nonsense that they're all children. I mean, look, both sides of the aisle are up to their eyeballs in this garbage. I've been running around doing all kinds of TV and radio shows. In fact, later on this evening at about 1020, I'm going to be on Patriot Radio on XM, on Sirius XM, trying to get people to understand the lies that were being told by the mainstream media. I had the privilege of meeting Walter Cronkite. He was a CBS news anchor. Walter Cronkite was highly believable. I thought he was a tremendous journalist. My degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. I had thought at one time of becoming a journalist. Journalists and federal agents are very similar professions. In both cases, you're supposed to be a fact finder. For the journalist, the end product of the facts that you dig out is a story. For me, as an agent, it was an arrest, it was an indictment, it was a deportation, it was a criminal prosecution. It was the seizure of ill-gotten Uh, money or goods or or assets, but it was about being a fact finder. When journalists lie, they face little, if any, repercussion. If I lied as an agent, I not only could have lost my job, but my freedom, because you're committing a felony if you lie when you're an agent. The journalists are under no such threat of, of, of adverse consequences for their BS that they spew routinely. So if you get a look at these articles, please start out by looking at the people they're quoting. As I said in my piece for front page, Johnny Cochran, the defense attorney from the OJ case, was right. If you can't trust the messenger, you can't trust the message. So the messenger is an organization that employs Doris Meisner, a woman who created Citizenship USA, where it was determined that thousands of aliens who were granted citizenship shouldn't have been. Some of them should have been, in fact, deported. And it goes on. There's other groups that when you look at their mission statement, and if you go to the website, look for the word, either mission statement or the word about or about us, if you click on it, it will tell you what their goals are. When they tell you their goals are to defend the immigrants, immigrants don't need defending folks. People who are here as immigrants are not going to be arrested by ICE. Understand that. Illegal aliens are at risk of arrest. If I was to say to you that we're defending the motorists from the police, let me tell you, if you're driving at the speed limit on a highway and you're not drunk and the car is yours and your license and everything is up to snuff, you don't have to worry about the police. If you see a sobriety checkpoint, you've got your license, your registration, your insurance card, You're stone cold sober. There's no warrant. You pull in. You say, how are you, officer? He says, I'm great. How are you? Fine. Have you had anything to drink? Yep, I had a cup of coffee about an hour ago. You laugh. He laughs. 
and you go on your merry way and everyone's happy. Now, if you're drunk, if you don't have a license, if you have outstanding warrants, yeah, you got something to be worried about. And meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi would call that a climate of fear if we're talking about illegal aliens. ICE agents create a climate of fear in the immigrant community. No, they don't. ICE agents help to provide security for the immigrant communities because it's within those very immigrant communities that the criminal aliens among them set up shop. It's where they're most comfortable and can most easily hide because everyone looks and sounds as they do, you see. But these are the words they use, and now they're saying there's no crisis on the border. So I I need to read a couple of things to you because this is so egregious. Um, First of all, first of all, Latin America, and I've said this before in the program, but I feel compelled to discuss this with you tonight because everyone is talking about whether or not there's a crisis. You know, Bill Clinton tried to redefine the word is. Now they're trying to redefine emergency and crisis. God help us all. So. There was a hearing held back in April of last year about Hezbollah operating in Latin America. The actual title of the hearing, uh, um, hang on one second, I've got it, forgive me. It's um, State Sponsors of Terrorism and Examination of Iran's Global Terrorism Network. Uh, That was the topic of a hearing that was held on April 17, 2018 by the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee. Pretty clear statement. So here's two paragraphs from one of the experts who testified, and all of the witnesses, by the way, were essentially saying the same thing. Please go and check it out. Go to my, go to front page, pull up the article, click on the link, you can go right to the transcript of the hearing. You can watch the hearing. It's all there. Whatever I tell you is verifiable. I don't make up the truth as I go along. There's only one version of the truth. So here is a quote from one of the expert witnesses at, at the hearing. Dr. Emmanuel Odelenge of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. And and here's what he said. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. Now, here is the key paragraph. This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America, okay, that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. Does that sound like a crisis, or am I hallucinating? How is that not a crisis? You have experts at a hearing on terrorism saying that Iran is operating throughout Latin America to destabilize governments. Think of what happened in Venezuela. And there was another article recently about the continuing relationship between Hezbollah and Venezuela, by the way. And think about it. When people are living in such poverty that most Venezuelans have lost a lot of weight because there's no food, there's no water, half the time there's no electricity, people are fleeing to Colombia, it's a disaster. When people are that poor and you offer them money to become terrorists and do things for you, out of desperation, people will do desperate things. You think that's a crisis? I would argue it is. Then you look at another article that I wrote, again, based on facts that I provided. So I wrote an article for front page this past November, November the 9th, called DEA reports record deaths from drug overdoses, how a broken Southern border allows narcotics to flood America. 
You think that's a crisis? The Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA, just published, I'm reading to you from my article, the 2018 National Drug Threat Assessment that provides an extensive analysis of the drug crisis in the United States. This, again, now is from that analysis by the DEA. That's what they do. By the way, I spent half my career with the DEA as an immigration agent. I became the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA in New York City back in 1988, and I was there for four years before I was promoted to the position of senior special agent, and I was assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. It was that task force, by the way, that took down El Chapo Guzman. So I have a little bit of experience with this stuff. But let me read the report, because these are their words, not my words. In 1999, drug poisoning in the U.S. accounted for 16,849 deaths, while deaths from suicide, homicide, firearms, and motor vehicles accounted for more deaths than did drug poisoning. In 2009, deaths attributed to drug poisoning moved into first place with 37,004 such fatalities. Since 2009, drug poisoning has accounted for more deaths than did the other causes of death with a sharp upward trend in the number of such fatalities. In 2013, 43,982 deaths were attributed to drug poisoning. In 2014, that number increased to 47,055. In 2015, the number jumped to 52,404. And in 2016, that number had skyrocketed to 63,632 deaths. Now, I want you to think about this, 63,000. There was a, a, a thriller of a movie called Black Sunday, came out in the 70s, and the idea was that the PLO, a Middle Eastern terrorist organization, had coerced a, a, an American pilot to fly a blimp and use the blimp loaded with explosives to blow up a football stadium. The attack was averted. I'm not going to tell you more. It's a great movie that you should watch. Bruce Dern was in it. There were others. Really good, good movie. I really enjoyed it. Robert Shaw, the late actor, he was in it. But here's the thing. If tomorrow morning a football stadium was blown up that had 63,000 people in it, the world would go insane. Everybody would be jumping up and down. We got to get them. Whoever did this, we got to get 63,000 people were poisoned by drugs. Much of the narcotics flowing across our borders, but there's no crisis. There's no crisis. Fentanyl is so lethal that a grain of fentanyl, size of a couple of salt grains, can kill a person. When they grab a couple of kilos, they talk about how many millions of people could die. Where have they been grabbing the stuff? Throughout the United States, there was an arrest made in Queens, and I forgot how many millions of people could have died if the fentanyl that was seized along with heroin and other drugs had been properly distributed around the United States. But nobody gets excited. Imagine if instead of fentanyl, it was cyanide. Same lethality. That would make headlines. Oh, it's fentanyl. It's drugs. Oh, well, you know, no crisis. Nothing to see here. Keep on moving. Narcotics as far as I'm concerned, is a weapon of mass destruction. It is chemical warfare at its worst because Americans that are hooked on this crap are paying for their own deaths. They're paying for their own deaths. We are losing hundreds of billions of dollars a year to the drug trade, and it's killing people on, on a scale that's unimaginable. And those numbers, by the way, are the drug poisonings. How many more people are dead because some guy pulled a robbery because he was desperate to get his hands on drugs and he killed somebody or got behind the wheel of a car and killed somebody or injured somebody or the drug gangs get into their battles and they kill people. And the drugs also finance the gangs, whether it's MS-13 or other transnational gangs, the Chinese mob. Asian organized crime, the Jamaican drug posses, the carnage is unbelievable, I can tell you. I spent half of my 30 years with the INS working on narcotics investigations. The violence is unbelievable, unparalleled. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Half the people 
are involved that are involved with drugs or using the drugs. They are impaired. They're crazy. They're psychotic. And they are violent, and they will use violence as a way to control turf. But there's no crisis here. Yes, drugs flow into Kennedy Airport. I can tell you it does. I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport. I saw it. Okay. And drugs come across the Canadian border. And drugs come to America on ships. So should we throw up our hands and say, gee whiz, the stuff is going to get in one way or the other. Let's go with the flow. Yeah, let's legalize pot so we can get more people to use the drugs. So more banks and more people can make more money off the drug trade without touching the drugs, right? Let's legalize marijuana. Who would imagine that in the middle of a heroin epidemic, legalizing the gateway drug of choice? But we're seeing that, aren't we? We're seeing just that. Nothing that we're witnessing makes rational sense. If you try to reconcile in your mind with what's happening, what's being said, and what the reality is, it does not compute, It does not compute. There's no crisis on the Mexican border because there are fewer illegals coming in now than ever before. First of all, even if the number was only 100,000 a year, look what 19 terrorists did. I want you to think about something. After 9-11, we kept hearing the same BS. In order to get it, in order to attack us, the terrorists just got to get it right once. For us to be safe, our people got to be right 100% of the time. What does that really mean? It means that every time an alien manages to enter the United States, an opportunity is provided to terrorist or criminal organizations for them to get it right. Two brothers in Boston wrecked havoc at the marathon in 2013. Look what happened in San Bernardino with that couple. How many dead bodies, how much suffering and carnage. You don't need large numbers. You don't need large numbers. And we admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year. They're given green cards. They're placed on the pathway to citizenship. Why are we bothering? Why are we spending $14 billion a year on Customs and Border Protection? Of course, AOC and her globalist crowd would tell you that's right. Fire all those people. Take down the borders. And let's have – you wouldn't have airplanes coming from other countries because she doesn't want airplanes, just trains. Boy, do you know how long it would take to take a train to London? I wonder if she has any idea. But don't let her know that there's an ocean between the United States and Europe. She might get confused. Genius that she is. Understand the madness that we're witnessing. And I know that you folks listen to me on on my Friday night show, and I love that you're there. But my question is easy. What have you done as a result of the anger and frustration that I have to create when I tell you the truth that you're not getting? How many of you have specifically called up a member of Congress arranged to meet with his or her staff or, or meet with the congressman or attended a town hall meeting or sat down with your mayor and said, why the hell is this place a sanctuary city? See, getting angry doesn't do anything. Agreeing with me doesn't do anything. People should be heading to Washington and having mass demonstrations. Look at how many people turned out for the inauguration of Barack Obama. And then I was there for a demonstration about the loss of jobs to the black community. I don't think there were five or 6,000 people that were there. This is a serious problem. The future of our country, the future of our children and our grandchildren hang in the balance. And what I'm telling you isn't fantasy. It's the reality that we're dealing with. It's the reality that we're dealing with. And let me just read a little bit more from that article about heroin and Mexico. This is, again, from the DEA threat assessment, heroin use, uh, heroin, and then it says heroin use and availability continues to increase in the United States. This report just came out a couple of months ago. This isn't old news, okay? The occurrence of heroin mixed with fentanyl is also increasing. Mexico remains the primary source of heroin available in the United States, according to all the available sources of intelligence including law enforcement investigations and scientific data. How that works is agents go out and make drug purchases, and then they do a careful chemical analysis of the drugs. They can tell you exactly where the drugs came from. I used to protect the undercovers who did the drugs in case there was a ripoff. So we would have agents go out and make the drug buy. The drugs would go to the lab, and they could figure out exactly where they came from, believe it or not. The science behind this is nothing short of brilliant. America can attain brilliance if we're allowed to, if we're allowed to understand that. So let me go back to this. 
The occurrence of heroin mixed with fentanyl is also increasing. Mexico remains the primary source of heroin available in the United States, according to all available sources of intelligence, including law enforcement investigations and scientific data. I just had to repeat that. Further significant increases in opium poppy cultivation and heroin production in Mexico allow Mexican drug traffickers to supply high-purity, low-cost heroin, even as U.S. demand has continued to increase. Fentanyl and other synthetic opiates, illicit fentanyl and other synthetic opioids, primarily sourced from China and Mexico, are now the most lethal category of opioids used in the United States. Traffickers, wittingly or unwittingly, are increasingly selling fentanyl to users without mixing it with any other controlled substances, and are also increasingly selling fentanyl in the form of counterfeit prescription pills. Fentanyl suppliers will continue to experiment with new fentanyl-related substances and adjust supplies in attempts to circumvent new regulations imposed by the United States, China, and Mexico. And, and, And so here we go. Cocaine availability and use in the United States has rebounded in large part due to the significant increase in coca cultivation and cocaine production in Colombia. And then meth again, the southwest border. Methamphetamine remains prevalent and widely available, with most of the methamphetamine available in the United States being produced in Mexico and smuggled across the southwest border. Domestic production occurs at much lower levels than in Mexico, and seizures of domestic methamphetamine laboratories have declined steadily for many years. Of course, they don't have the labs in America. The labs are in Mexico, and it's smuggled into the United States across the border where there's no crisis. Maybe Donald Trump ghost wrote the DEA report. Maybe that's what happened. I want you to think. I want you to think. I just read to you a DEA report. I read to you the statements of an expert on Hezbollah operating in Latin America. And we're told by the leaders in Congress, this is not a crisis. What the hell is it if it isn't a crisis? Did we not lose enough people? Are they waiting for the death toll to get over the 100,000? Well, this is like a backwards telethon. Let's hope we can get to 100,000. Maybe we can get to a million dead bodies. What is it that they need to say, yeah, this is a goddamn crisis? How many more dead bodies? How many children's futures are irrevocably ruined when they get hooked on drugs and wind up with arrests and wind up spending time in jail So instead of excelling in school with having bright futures, they wind up hooked on drugs, involved with gangs, involved with crime, involved in violence, committing violent crimes, or becoming the victims of violent crimes themselves. But there's no crisis. Donald Trump made it up. This is a political ploy. That's what they've said. This is all a political ploy. It was just an intelligence hearing over in the Senate Intelligence Committee. And what did they talk about? They had the heads of the FBI, the CIA, the Office of National Intelligence, which oversees the whole intelligence apparatus. Page 18 of the report they released, that threat assessment, talked about transnational gangs, human trafficking, and narcotics flowing across the southwest border. What crisis? Do you see a crisis? I don't see a crisis. How do I know? Nancy Pelosi, the brilliant one, told us. There's no crisis. Donald Trump made it up. I have never in my life seen anything like this. The greatest generation saved America from destruction, saved freedom in the world, saved Western civilization, defeated the Axis powers. It took 44 months. We built fleets of airplanes that had never existed before. Ships, tanks, radar, nuclear weapons, whatever it took, we did it, and we did it swiftly. Now we're having an argument over whether we should have a fence or a wall or a barrier. We can't figure out what color to paint it, and God forbid we should build it because it might keep birds from migrating. I will tell you, that if the jackasses, the dim bulbs, and the crooked politicians that we call our Congress were in control of our government back during the Second World War, America would have lost the war. 
There's no doubt in my mind that these people are incapable of leadership. They're either corrupt or insane or so stupid that they can't cross the street without some help. This is what we depend on for leadership. And in the middle of this mix, we're being told that it's toxic for men to be masculine, that there's something somehow wrong with being normal. We've turned America into a freak show, but the biggest freak show of all exists in the cesspool. It's not a swamp, Washington. Swamp, no, that's a part of the environment. Creatures live in the swamps. It's part of the ecosystem. It's natural. It's normal. That's where life evolves. This is a cesspool. It's man-made, and there's nothing good to be found in a cesspool, I can assure you. And in that Washington cesspool, we have crazies, and perhaps we have people that have been bought and paid for. I don't know how else to explain this. I really don't. What I read to you is material that they have access to, and this is authentic, verifiable information. It didn't come out of a tabloid, and Donald Trump didn't write these reports. What is the point of having intelligence agencies come forward and say to Congress, there are terrorists operating throughout Latin America, and they're bringing people into the United States, and among them are sleeper agents? We know about MS-13. They've had a whole bunch of hearings about those and dead bodies. Oh, don't worry. The number of illegals is going down. No, it's not. And what do they base it on? Border Patrol arrests. Well, when the Border Patrol arrests the same person six times and takes credit for six arrests, we have no idea what's going on. Then you ask the patrol, how many get away that you don't arrest? One in three, one in nine, one in ten, three in in, in seven, four out of eleven. They have no idea. It's a crapshoot. But when you're dealing with terrorists, folks, 19 can do a hell of a job, can't they? So could the two Tsarnaev brothers. So could those pieces of slime that crawled out of a sewer somewhere and killed those innocent people in San Bernardino. These are people who came to America. They gamed the immigration system. And they engaged in carnage for no reason. These weren't people they hated. In fact, San Bernardino, those people had just thrown a party for that woman when she was pregnant. So she goes back to work at a Christmas party and kills the people who had given her presents not long before. This is a a pathological situation of illness and twistedness and blind hatred for America. And it keeps reoccurring. And when the president says we have to stop it, they say, oh, he's a racist. He's a racist. If you build a 20-foot wall, they'll come with a 25-foot ladder. Yep, and the same thing happened in jails, right? There are occasional prison breaks. They tunnel, they dig, they do all sorts of things. Are we supposed to stop building prisons? Well, I guess the Democrats would like to do that. So maybe there could be more criminals on the street and more victims, and then they could try to somehow... (laughs) Twist that into a new narrative Because that's all that's happening now Nothing rational Is coming out of the mouths of our leaders When the president says We've got to keep terrorists from entering the United States He's accused of racism He's anti-immigrant Ask anybody But here's what's an interesting number More immigrants were admitted last year Than were admitted, I believe, during the Obama administration Because I know during the last year of the Obama administration The number was about a million if I'm not mistaken, don't, don't quote me on this. I'm very careful with my numbers. I don't want to be misquoted because, you know, someone once said to me, you could be right a thousand times, be wrong once. That's all anybody will remember. But I actually believe that there was uh, about 100,000 more immigrants admitted this past year than in the prior years. These are lawful immigrants. So if the Trump administration was that anti-immigrant, why is the number of lawful immigrants going up? Now, the one thing I disagree with Trump when he said we need to bring in even more immigrants, we don't. We don't. Because we're not able to vet the numbers of people that we're bringing in, and we're displacing workers, and we're overcrowding our schools. We've got to slow down and give thought to what we're doing in terms of what's best for the average American. Not the average American corporation, but the average American citizen. Being lost in this whole conversation We have never seen a bigger bunch of insubordinate politicians than we have today. And they are insubordinate. 
They're our employees, and they're failing to do what we tell them to do. If you work for a boss and your boss tells you to do something and you thumb your nose at him, how long do you think you're going to keep your job? How in the world people can keep voting for politicians who don't put the interests of America or Americans first is beyond me. Why it's a novelty that Donald Trump said America first. And it's so funny because I had said that when the campaigns were first cranking up the prior cycle. I said, we need to have people stand up in the audience and scream at the politicians, not America first, but Americans first. Because all too frequently with these politicians, slimy and and, and, uh, wriggly as they are and slippery as they are, when they say America first, they're really talking about corporate America. We are going to bring in the foreign workers so America can lead. No. Let's make sure that our American kids have the education they need so they can take the jobs. We have 330 million Americans, damn it. Why would we need to import anybody? We didn't import people to do all the backbreaking work to build the space program. Yes, I know we had some German scientists. There's going to be someone that's going to jump up and say it. And I believe that if someone is extraordinary, we should be encouraging them to come here. But when we're bringing in hundreds of thousands of H-1B visas, these aren't extraordinary by definition. And when the people that are coming from India have to be trained by the people that are being fired, that they're displacing, don't tell me we didn't have the workers here. We did. They lost their jobs because corporate America bought Congress. You see? We don't have enough people to do the work. If that's the case, then why did you just fire hundreds of thousands of American high-tech workers. This is about lower wages. This is about corporate welfare. And what happened with Amazon is just yet another example. And Amazon was offended. Oh, my God, they didn't welcome us with open arms? We want that $3 billion tax cut. We want. And it's remarkable. I don't care where you stand on unions, and I have mixed feelings about unions because they're as corrupt as anybody else at this point. But you would think the Democrats and unions, yeah? Well, Amazon says no unions. And Cuomo and de Blasio, the dynamic duo, the governor and the mayor, Cuomo, the governor, de Blasio, the mayor, oh, it's okay. We we, we want them. They're going to bring jobs. So they didn't care that they were against the unions, even though these are supposedly Democrats. They're not Democrats, folks. These politicians are anarchists, seditionists, crooks. They're everything you want. I don't know. Put, put labels on whichever one you want. When, when the governor of the state of New York can refer to ICE agents as thugs, I'm done with him. Anytime I see him upset is a good day for me. The more upset he gets, the bigger my smile. I love to see Andy Cuomo frowning. And the bigger the frown, the bigger my smile. I just flip it upside down. Big frown, big smile. How in the world you could call ICE agents who protect us? They're our first line of defense and last line of defense against terrorists and criminals and gangsters and aliens who would come here and take the jobs of Americans of thugs. Thugs. And those words have had impact. Agents are getting attacked twice as frequently now as they used to be. People aren't going to those ICE agents with information so they can arrest the human traffickers. What the policies of sanctuary cities does is to shield human traffickers, to shield corrupt employers, to shield gangbangers, to shield fugitives from justice, to shield terrorists. That's why New York was established as the major hub by the Colombian cartel, which was then taken over by El Chapo. Because New York is a sanctuary city. Nothing to worry about. Immigration can't go near you. We don't care about it, about the police. The police are on our side because, heck, think about it. They've made it clear. They're going to protect us from those evil immigration agents. I was going into a Fox studio a couple of weeks ago to do a hit, to do a TV interview. When I say hit, not, not like a mob hit. We, we refer to it as a hit when you go in front of the camera. And the guy said, well, I'm here legally, but most of my friends from Russia are illegal. And why wouldn't they be? The governor and the mayor said they will protect them. It's probably illegal what ICE does. I said, what do you mean? Well, doesn't the Constitution protect people once they get here? You can keep them out, but once they're here, they're here, and you can't do anything to them. I said, where did you get that from? He said, well, how can the governor stand there in front of the cameras 
and say that the ICE agents are thugs and he was going to protect the immigrants. He said if it was illegal, wouldn't he be in jail? Would that they would put Cuomo in jail. Boy, oh boy, that's the day I, I would have a party. But do you understand that these words have impact? And people are being killed by the drugs, by the gangs. We're at risk of a terror attack. And, and you know, I was just on Newsmax TV, and I raised a question at the end of my interview with Brett Winterbull. He, he's terrific. I love going on his program. And I said to him, I don't know of anybody who would get on an airplane if they saw passengers that were getting on the same airplane sneak past TSA so that they weren't checked. Would you get on an airplane like that? He said, of course not. I said, then why in the world are we being forced to live among millions of aliens who entered the United States by sidestepping the inspections process at ports of entry? And this was the point that we made when I was on with Heather Childers over at Fox and Friends First this past Monday. And, And she agreed with me. She says, you know, we can't say this enough. The border wall is not designed to keep anybody out of the United States. I don't know if you realize that. And if you wonder what I'm saying, this is exactly what I'm saying. The border wall, if it was up right now, would not prevent the single entry of anybody. But it would make certain that everyone who does enter goes through the screening process at Port. The inspectors can determine whether or not to let them in in the first place and to determine how they get to stay here and create a record of their entry and so forth. That's what the wall is about. Some people, I am convinced, believe that the purpose for the wall is to cut off the United States from Mexico, and nothing could be further from the truth. This is simply about saying, okay, you want to come to America, step through that door and talk to that inspector who's going to see who you are and make certain that you're not, you know, that you weren't previously deported, that you're not a criminal, that you're not a fugitive, that you don't have a dangerous communicable disease. Look at all the epidemics. And, and of course, in the articles in the newspapers, what are they saying? Oh, the epidemics are the result of the parents who don't want to inoculate their children because they're afraid of autism. I'm very familiar with those arguments. I've talked about my son, who thank God is doing well, but he has a form of autism, Asperger's. So, I, I, you know, I understand the concerns about the vaccinations, but I think that they're probably safe, but I'm not the guy to talk about it. I don't, I don't offer opinions about stuff that I don't have information. I'm not like the journalist Big Mouths. But that's the theory. Nobody, however, is talking about how many hundreds of thousands of kids have entered the United States as unaccompanied minors or, L, or through other means who have never seen a doctor, who have never been inoculated, who might be carrying dangerous diseases that we either vanquished, we thought, or we've never even seen in America. Certain tropical diseases are suddenly becoming commonplace, one of which is really worrying because it's very similar to polio and it causes paralysis in children. We've never seen that before. My question is, what's the likelihood that perhaps somebody came to America with that disease and then it began spreading? Ellis Island, folks, was a quarantine station. But if you dare say any of these things about concerns about health, oh, you're a bigot and a racist and a xenophobe. In fact, public health used to work with us at the the inspections facilities. In fact, one time a, a young man came in. He was a child, about six years old, seven years old, extreme fever. His eyes were pasty shut. The people that were carrying him, he couldn't even walk. He was semi conscious. I immediately ran to public health. They sent for an ambulance, they brought him to a hospital. And they said that he was suffering a rare communicable disease. I got a very nice letter from public health, said, you know, good catch. You might have pre- prevented an epidemic. But when people don't go through that process, those opportunities to keep the diseases and the criminals and the terrorists and the drugs out of the United States evaporate. The final point that I want you to think about, and this is really important, smuggling organizations smuggle the drugs. They also smuggle people. And when they get here, it's aliens who run the smuggling enterprises because they're the only ones that people like El Chapo would truly trust. This isn't about keeping out all foreigners. It's about making certain we don't let in anybody who poses a threat to our safety or well-being. It's the reason we have peepholes on our front doors. And we should be supportive of the president's efforts to protect us. And we ought to be making our demands clear to the people who allege to represent us. 
because, as you know, I always like my program by reminding you that democracy is not a spectator sport. Again, if you get a chance, check out Patriot Radio at 1020 Coast Time this evening. Uh, And if not, I will certainly see you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. I hope you all have a great weekend. But please, folks, get involved. We're living in a perilous era. And this is the work that all Americans must do. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.